And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. If you're just starting your day, it's going to be a long day. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a long day. (laughs) He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live, overnight, one of our great radio stations. All right, next up, uh, you know, this the Biden thing is going to still be huge all this week mm-hmm. because the media is going to be furious because <laughs> the Biden administration never gave them a spin they could use, we believe. Uh, and so they're left hanging to dry and they know they're being lied to. So they're angry about it. But as yeah. we said, they've been they've been a tool of the administration, the White House press corps except for a few you know, maybe you know and we mentioned you no know, fox uh real clear politics uh, uh newsmax new york post you know some of the uh, uh you know conservative reporters there mm-hmm. but the rest have played political activists they are political activists and and uh have bought in and been not bothered by the dozens upon dozens upon dozens of lies that have come out of Kareem, Kareem Jean-Pierre's mouth, you know, over the uh, the last year. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where that where that goes this week. We'll talk more about it, I'm sure, even before the show ends. A couple of other things to talk about, though. One is the, the debt ceiling. And you saw it, you know, uh, I'm reading here, this is from townhall.com, a conservative publication. Democrats may have to bargain on negotiations with GOP over the debt ceiling, just looking at it from this particular viewpoint. Mm. Democrats may have to come to the table prepared to negotiate with Republicans over the debt ceiling that could put the U.S. economy down the hole. However, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and President Joe Biden have so far refused to settle with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on raising the debt ceiling. Last week, McCarthy called on Democrats to discuss plans to avoid or to increase the federal debt limit despite Biden and Schumer standing their ground, avoiding all talks. What I would like to do is I would like to sit down with all the leaders, and especially the president, and start having discussions, McCarthy said, adding, quote, if you had a child and you gave them a credit card and they hit the limit and you raised and you raised it again, 
clean increase again and again and again. Would you keep doing that or would you change the behavior? Seems to make sense, right? The average person should understand that. However, Schumer criticized McCarthy's demand for spending cuts, warning him it's a reckless action. America pays its debts, period. There should be no political brinkmanship with the debt limit, Schumer said in a statement, adding that it's reckless for Speaker McCarthy and MAGA Republicans to try to use the full faith and credit of the United States as a political bargaining chip. So again, having less debt, the Democrats are saying, is a political bargaining chip. They say policy experts across the nation are weighing in on the issue, suggesting that Democrats will be forced to sit down Hmm. and negotiate with the GOP. A failure to deal with the debt limit would be catastrophic for the economy. Any serious person who has studied this knows the economic consequences would be deep, long-lasting, and disastrous, said Senate Budget Committee Chairman, or former Senate Budget Committee Chairman Ken Conrad. Conrad believes that Medicare and Social Security are headed towards insolvency, which former President Trump is warning Republicans not to cut under no circumstances. Senator Joe Manchin is pressuring Biden to enter negotiations with the GOP, saying the two parties need to work together. It's bipartisan. It's always been bipartisan as far as a debt ceiling, Manchin said. Not really. We've been here before. Yeah. And if the government gets close to being shut down, Republicans get the blame. It's that simple. Right. Well, when, when and I understand we went through this last week where latest polls say America believes that the debt is harming us and we need to have less debt and less debt and less debt and less debt. Yet it's the same American public that said because of covid, everybody should be getting checks. Right. So we live in a society where everybody knows debt's bad. Everybody knows what the Democrats are doing is bad. But if anything gets cut. when we can't have that. What the American public is demanding is that we continue our out-of-control spending and borrowing without any inflation or any negative consequences. We want you to cut, but don't cut anything that's going to affect me. Yeah, that's where we are. And that's where the Republicans are riding this tightrope. Everybody knows they're right in their philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. It's hard. And if it's hard, the American public really doesn't want to do it. Right. And we've always and so this is this is the one thing, uh, you know, Republicans may be able to get some cuts. They were back a few years ago. They were able to get some cuts back in 2012. But did we really ever see any major cuts or Mm, did spending still? No, I mean, you know, increase if if you look uh if you really look at the history, uh, the the modern history of the Republican Party in terms of getting any cuts, they've really only tapped the brakes a couple of times. Welfare yeah. reform, you know, a couple of things here and there, but nothing long term meaningful. It was always going to be in the direction we're going now. And again, they're not wrong. But at this point, politically, you can't. And Democrats have known this for ages, that at some point you are going to get beyond being able to talk about this politically without it affecting you in a negative way. 
and now the odds are it's going to affect you. Yeah. Even if we have no cuts, if the budget is the same mm-hmm. this year as it was last year, the amount of money we're going to spend, you're probably going to be 500 to $600 billion short and have to borrow more money and cut programs. Interest rates. Even if because interest rates on the debt have skyrocketed and probably could take 500, 600, 700, 800 billion dollars more than just a couple of years ago. And so even if you it's it's the same thing. Let's say your uh, your your budget is you're only going to spend uh, I just make it easy. Ten thousand dollars a year for everything. All right. But and and or and I'm just making the, the term simple. So. We don't get too complicated here. So it's 10000 Well, mm-hmm. you're basically uh, 5000 is your expenses. 5000 is what you have to pay each and every year on uh, what you have, uh, you know, what you have borrowed. And it's all interest. Right. And all of a sudden, boom, the interest rate goes up 10 times. And the interest rate was so low that. It, now it's not five thousand anymore; it's eight thousand that you have to spend. Yep on on that revolving credit, and you're paying no principal, and you're still borrowing. That's the problem. Yep. And you know it's interesting because now you have economists looking at this and saying, uh, uh, trying to figure out where they expect the the Fed to go next with interest rates. Uh, a lot of them are saying they believe they'll kind of slow down or hit the pause button to reassess. I saw one economist going, and that's a good idea. I thought, yeah, well, for who? Uh, Larry Summers saying over the weekend, it may have been actually on Friday, making the case that, look, if, if they don't finish the job at hand here with interest rates, then that will be the greatest tragedy. Well, we end up where we are in the 70s. Yep. And that's exactly what he was talking about. We'll be right back there. And he's right. And the problem is with that is that, okay, we go higher on the interest rates. Uh, They go, let's say they go a quarter of a point over the next couple of meetings. Well, most believe you need to get at least above six on the Fed rate. And now they think the consensus is they may hover around five. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers warned on Friday that backing down on interest rates as a means of controlling inflation could precipitate a 1970s style economic crisis. This is where inflation goes on for a decade. Right, right. I think to suppose some kind of relenting on inflation target will be a salvation would be a costly error that would ultimately have adverse effects as it did in, spe- in a spectacular way in the 1970s for real economies and working people everywhere, Summers said at the World Economic Forum. It was the uh, possibly, experts believe, the only sane idea that came out of... Uh, <laughs> Out of the world. <laughs> economic forum. Economic 
Many have drawn comparisons between the current economic situation and that of the 70s when the global economy faced a combination of high inflation and slow growth known as stagflation. Hmm. Since the 1990s, the Federal Reserve, European Central Market, and other central financial institutions have sought to prevent runaway inflation, setting a target inflation rate of uh, of 2%. uh, As inflation soared over the last year, reaching a 40-year high of 9.1% in June, the Federal Reserve and other central banks have raised interest rates in an effort to bring it down to the 2% target. The Federal Reserve has begun to slow its interest rates hike in recent months as inflation has dec- the inflation rate has declined. In December, the inflation rate dropped to 6.2%, down from 7.3% in November, but still high. Mm. Amid this reality, some have recently suggested that the Fed and other central banks revise their inflation targets upward slightly, However, Summers warned on Friday that would be a grave error. I say that someone who was negative on the idea that the United States should uh, put in place a specific numerical target, it seems to me, though, having reemphasized repeatedly the absolute commitment to the 2% inflation target, to abandon the 2% inflation target would do very substantial damage to credibility. So what they're saying is we should say 5% inflation is okay and then... Right. Not raise the interest rates. Right. Right. And the debt's going to continue. Still, though, if if you stay at 5%, you're not going to lower it quickly. So you're still going to have the budget problem. Yep. Well, and you'll still have, again, uh, inflation that is significant. And I, you know... Then you're heading into the 24 election season. For the White House, announcements will start this summer. And, you know, for the GOP, go beyond whoever wants to jump in and challenge Trump. But for the Democrats, it's going to be about Biden and whether or not he runs or if anybody sees an opening to challenge him in the primary. And with everything going on right now, all of that is up in the air. Every bit of that. And then you bring in the economy? Yeah. No thanks. And I don't know, with the numbers we saw last week, I saw again, well, their experts are predicting a soft, well, that was two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Last week of the bad economic numbers. I don't know if that's what the economists are still saying. Well, and the you know the head of uh, Bank of America was was one of those. That, I saw that. Yes, you know, and right. he's been saying this for a few weeks. Well, we'll see whether it's soft or not. One of the things you're seeing in big tech is these big layoffs. Big tech has become smaller tech, and that continues. And you have the retail numbers that came out last week for December. Manufacturing manufacturing numbers that came out. Tanking. Right. I I don't see where, I don't see where the, and you and I keep saying this, show me the figures that show just a slight recession. Right. When you include all the figures from last week and extrapolate them out. Right. Was that just a one-month thing? you believe they're rebounding in January? And for what reason do you believe they're rebounding in January and February of March of this year? Well, What and, would make that difference? Right. And it's hard to know because 
Remember, we were in a recession, but that wasn't a recession. <laughs> so if they've totally redefined recession, then what do you consider a mild recession? I hear more and more people calling it a recession, though, this year. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that, like, even on CNBC. Yeah. Oh, no, this year I think it's inevitable. They looked at it and said, okay, we're going to have to call it recession. No, I mean and, last oh, you year. mean for last year? For last year. Yeah. I yeah. saw more saying, right. well, what did I even say? That it was, a, in, it was an inflation recession, not a deflation recession. Well, maybe because they're done defending the Biden administration. <laughs> maybe the case. They've given up. <laughs> 866 red eye Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Dim lights are an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. Get a full electrical system check if you notice your headlights getting dimmer or brighter. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED. I will be interesting to see if uh, the American public has uh, had enough with uh, with debt and understand the seriousness of it and believe that there should be some negotiations for at least some budget cuts. Mm. As we've asked, though, where are the budget cuts going to come from because of the interest rate increase, uh, because of infl uh, inflation that we have seen in order to control it, and the fact that you could see five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred billion dollars more a year in interest payments could be by next year or the year after eight hundred billion, nine hundred billion, a trillion dollars of interest alone that has to be paid as yeah. we increase this debt. Because right now, projected out for the next 10, 15 years is at least a trillion and a half dollars average a year of more borrowing. Right. Well, and, I mean, and you can't. And, and, and the fact is, when you when you look at it, uh, the fiscal situation we're in, it, it the bigger pie, bigger pie, Medicare, Social Security. Trump came out and said, do not touch Social Security and Medicare. All right. Then you borrow. Then you borrow more money or you cut all foreign aid. All right. Cut all foreign aid. Do you really cut into the budget at all by cutting foreign aid? No, no. No, you don't. You still don't. You may delay the problem a couple of months, but what do you cut? They're really, honestly, when you look at the uh, idea of people uh, who borrowed for college and then say, I shouldn't have to pay that. When they look at, at, at making cuts in their personal life, how many people actually do that responsibly? They don't. So then when you're talking about making cuts, it's easy enough to say, oh, no, I think we should do something about the national debt. Then when you get into the details and you don't have to go very far, you say, okay, great. What about we cut some programs? What about we make some cuts here or there? That's when you lose them. And that's where we are. 
It's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's money. It doesn't affect me. But, of course, it does. Well, I don't want to think about it. Close the door. Yep. Dealing with reality is something that we've become very bad at. We'll see you over the next month. But the Republicans aren't wrong. I saw one Democratic senator over the weekend say, well, the problem is that we just need to tax more. Right. Good tax a trillion and a half more. Where are you going to get it from? Where are you going to get that? The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected today. Call 800-312-9970. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice... She might. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, so after that horrible shooting at that ballroom in uh, Southern California on, uh, on uh, Saturday, Saturday night apparently, hmm. uh, of course Democrats uh, came out led by Chuck Schumer and Adam Schiff blaming uh, the shooting on bigotry and uh, and racism. Chuck Schumer put out, we must stand up to bigotry and hate wherever they rear their ugly heads. Adam Schiff, Saturday's shooting was a horrific example of the needless gut violence with bigotry towards AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander, individuals as a possible motive no one ever said that was a possible motive they never knew they didn't at that point they really didn't know much at all right uh wisconsin state representative francesca hong said we are broken as a nation to have mass shootings and white supremacy reign terror though the details of the shooting were not known at that particular uh, point. As we know, the uh, the suspect apparently killed himself. Hmm. 72-year-old Asian man. Uh, and I believe it was the head of one of the local chamber of commerces who said it was a domestic dispute. Nothing to do with racism. Right. And um, they CNN reporting that the man was once a patron at that same dance hall. Yeah. According to his ex-wife. And so they jumped the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, we've said this over and over again. You know, whether it's you know, remember the whole thing with, uh, you know, how concerned they were with covid shut down the northern border. Keep the southern border open. They didn't care about lives there. Right. They don't care about lives here. They just care about pushing forth their agenda no matter what and they will lie and when you say something like this as both schumer and adam shifted now we know ship is a pathological liar as is schumer 
But they do this consistently when things happen. They had no idea what the cause was. And they're already throwing out racism and white supremacy, the other Democrats. Yeah, I and will they ever apologize and say, Sarah, we got it wrong in this particular case? No, you'll you'll never hear that. Nope. They never do. Nope. Why? Because they're political activists and all right. they care is do we have an opportunity to take advantage of this incredible tragedy and promote our false agenda? Right. That we live in a racist society. Right. Which we do not. We live in one of the least racist societies on the entire planet. And for the multicultural melting pot that we are, we have a lot less racism than other countries and bigotry. But as we know, where bigotry reigns supreme, where it is actually a part of the mindset and the agenda of a political party in the United States, as we've stated many times, where racism is institutionalized, where you will find that mindset more than anywhere else in this country is right inside the Democratic Party Mm. with their identity politics, judging people by groups and not as individuals. And remember now, from the left, individualism, judging somebody individually by the content of their character, is in itself white supremacy. Right. The racists exist on the left. That's where it's institutionalized. And they proudly boast about it and then accuse the other side of being the racist. That's the beautiful part of it. Not really beautiful, but I mean, that's what they're trying to get away with. And for uh, for and for some, in some situations, they do get away with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're never called out by the mainstream media. Nope. Social media. Yep. You see conservatives pointing it out saying, and, and, and I don't know why you would want to do this jump on something in order to promote your own agenda. But really the answer there is, well, because they know they can get away with it. Therefore, for them, there is no political harm in doing that. Yeah. They're never called out on it. Right. In fact, as we know, the new liberalism today is the fact that if you promote, no, I judge people as individuals. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's racist. Right. You must judge people by groups in order not to be racist. Everything is posterior backwards with mm-hmm. these people. Mm-hmm. And by these people, I mean liberals. Yep. But it is amazing that because they're so blunt, they're so blunt on their identity politics. They're so blunt on judging people by groups and not individuals. And now they're like, OK, we got the philosophy out there that's saying, OK, if you judge a person it, what is it? Uh, initiative and individual individuality. Mm. Those are the keys of white supremacy. Right. Of being an individual. Being autonomous. Mm-hmm. No, you must be part and judged by a group. 
And then if you're judged by the group that you're in, based on your physical characteristics and or sexuality or whatever else we come up with, then you're not a racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's sickening to watch something like this play out, yeah. and as it's playing out in real time, and you're and everyone is is scrambling, you know, for the facts. They're going to use their agenda, but that's who they are. That's they don't yep. care. They are sick minded individuals. They are, and it's uh, it and it's thing is it's right in front of us. It's right in front of us every day to see. Robert Reich, former Secretary of Labor during the Clinton administration was criticized for blaming increased egg prices on corporate greed on Friday. The price of eggs were up 60% in December from the year prior, after nearly 58 million birds were affected by the avian flu virus in 2022, and consumers have noticed. And in search of answers, Reich offered his own theory, egg prices are up 60%, that's absurd. People are paying up towards 6 and $7 for a dozen of eggs. Why? Corporate greed. Uh, and then the question was asked, well, why weren't the egg companies greedy last year? Said, in fact, why haven't they been greedy in the past at all? Eggs used to be very cheap. Crazy how companies, universities randomly decide to get greedy. Mm. Is there a list somewhere where we can just see who's next? Would save everyone a lot of time, not to mention make the study of economics moot. It's just all corporate greed, after all, tweeted the Libertarian Party of California. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Miller, psychology professor at the University of New Mexico, tweeted, So, egg producers were somehow less greedy a year ago and suddenly became greedy, that makes no sense at all, and you know it. Just so we can be clear, and they, and they continued with a number of other conservatives that yeah. called them on, and just so everybody remembers, in 2007, Robert Reich, while speaking before a group at Berkeley, stated that if you were running for president, and we're going to be honest about health care, he said this, his plan would be, you have to let old people die. Well, let me interject this so we can compare apples to apples and, uh, and Robert Reich to Robert Reich. We won't afford the medicine and technology. Yes. We'll send you home. So now who's being greedy? Right. Robert Rice wishes to kill people to save money. To save money. Well, what was interesting is that he made that point, and what he's alluding to in that moment from 2007 is that we have a healthcare system that's not amenable to treating sick people. That's how he phrased it. What he was saying is insurance companies won't pay for it. And then what he goes on to tell you his solution is, is that if he were in charge, he wouldn't pay for it. Right. 
Does he even listen to what he says himself? No. no. <laughs> it's like, is there any self-reflection going, did I just say that? Young people have to pay more, and old people, we're not going to afford the medicines and technology. We're going to send you home so you can die. What he's saying is the private sector won't pay for it. But if you elect me as president, the government sector, we won't pay for it either. We'll also not pay for it. And we'll let you die. Yeah. In fact, as he said, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I know because, uh, you know, my, uh, my dad is still 96 and alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on Medicare Advantage, so he's the private health care. Mm-hmm. It's still taking care of him. Yeah, right. Right. And he still has to pay. You know, you've got to pay. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it doesn't pay at all. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the whole thing when they talk about it. We can't even pay for Medicare, universal Medicare. We can't even pay for Medicare now. And well, they, talking, Medicare you know, for all. You can't do Medicare for some. Yeah, we've said that many times. Medicare for all. We can't do Medicare for some in this country. You can't do some Medicare for some, and you're promoting Medicare for all. That the government can take care of it all. That's ludicrous. Yeah, I know. And where is the greater greed? Oh, I'll, in, tell, I'll tell you. The, I'll, I'll tell you. Greed and the greed. government that that can control all the rules and regulations and paying for it. I'll tell you, greed. I took out a loan. You didn't. You pay for my loan. Right. You want greed? That's greed. And he's one of those promoting that. Yeah. People should have that paid for by other people. But I can't afford it. Well, you're assuming they can. Right. You took out the loan. Right. They didn't. How greedy can you be? I want him to go back to Berkeley and give that speech. How other selfish people should can be you paying, be? Other people should be paying for your education, young people. Yay! <laughs> yeah, we'll talk selfish and greedy all day. Oh, yeah. The problem is big egg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm thinking of the guys. I'm thinking of the picture of the cigar-smoking executives as the eggs are all rolling by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going, oh, we're going to screw these people now. Watch this. Look at this. We're going to increase the cost of eggs 60%. We're up to 150 bucks a dozen. dozen yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Talk about the goose that lays the golden egg. They don't even have to be golden. They're Big just egg. regular eggs. A golden egg's not as worth as much as a real egg. Look at this. Now we're cooking. But not with gas, because that's illegal. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. Welcome and good morning. So uh, I just uh, just laughed Robert uh, Reich uh, blaming Big Egg <laughs> for the uh, for the egg prices uh, out there. It's just corporate like, greed. Corporate. Uh, I'll get, we want corporate greed? Or excuse me, you want greed? Not corporate greed. You want greed? Well, we're going to see it with the debt ceiling. 
people saying we should be borrowing and putting it on future generations, paying none of the principal and putting it on our children and grandchildren right. for what we want today. Right. You want greed? Which is something that his his party uh, has been leading the charge on for, I don't know, forever. The Democrats lead when it comes to spending, 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 spending. Not that the Republicans get a complete walk on that. But if you want to talk about greed, you're going to put this on the backs of people who haven't been born yet. For you. For your political power and for the benefit of people who don't want to do something hard. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around our big planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Sorry I slurred your name there. Not the first time it's happened. I swear I'm not drinking. (laughs) I'm Gary McNamara. Did I say that? I don't know. (laughs) Download our Red Eye Radio app today, (laughs) and and, uh, you can listen when and where you want (laughs) if you can't listen live overnight. All right, you ready? We're starting out with a question. All What's right. missing here? Hmm. Uh, this is uh, Kamala Harris uh, over the weekend in yeah. uh, uh, in uh, Florida, I believe she was, hmm. uh, talking about abortion. You know, there was a big uh, 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 abortion or uh, pro-life uh, march uh, on Friday in Washington, D.C. So, of course, she had to speak on it, and she defended abortion by using the Declaration of Independence, by sort of quoting the Declaration of Independence. Mm. See if you can guess what she forgot. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, interesting, both you and I asked a question, was that on the teleprompter or was she ad-libbing? And all of a sudden she got to the point and went, oops. I can't say life. Don't say life. I can't can't say say life. life. By the way, I'm I'm shocked she said liberty. Quite frankly, (laughs) if you're going to leave out the word life, why would you include liberty? Why not just use, you know, the thing? Pursuit of happiness. Listen, we're all endowed with the pursuit of happiness. By the way, that's all that it said. It didn't say anything else. Don't look it up. Just amazing. I just oh uh, I laughed at that one. It, well, because. Oh, man, it was funny. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It has that cadence and always has. 
She says it. Leaves out the big word. And the most important word in that equation on that very topic. And I guess believes that nobody's going to miss it? Well, it is tough. And one of the reasons I'm guessing the Founding Fathers put that in there is it's tough to have liberty and the pursuit of happiness without life without first. life yeah i guess that's you know would be the yeah one of the uh the big problems there so all right what a joke of a weekend it was i had to text you over the weekend on saturday when yeah. they found more documents yeah now we don't know how many because they talked about six items not six classified documents we don't know if it's 53-foot trailers? Yeah. We don't know if it's boxes, folders. It all, it all depends on what the definition of item is. Exactly. And nobody has defined item here at, at uh, this point. But, wow, what a zoo over the weekend and what a zoo it's going to be uh, 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 this week. Want to go to uh, some of the Sunday morning news shows. Let's go to here this week where Martha Raddatz is talking to Democratic Senator Chris Coons, mm. and listen to Coons' answer here. But how can he say he takes classified material seriously when some of what was found may have been in his home for more than a decade, and he seemingly had no idea? Well, the important point there, Martha, is that he had no idea. <laughs> she, she, it's, you know, in her phrasing, she actually steps out to try and give Biden cover well he seemingly had no idea uh if if democrats can't see the damage of number one uh the president saying it Mm. and then number two them defending it Mm -hmm. most logical people when they hear this and this has been going on now for the last week and a half that he's had no idea and you wonder why uh the, the the public she mentioned the abc poll she did herself. It showed 64% believe the president did something inappropriate. Not inadvertent, inappropriate. Yep. So nobody's buying the lies coming from the White House. No. no one. And the reason is, if you're saying, I don't know, I didn't know anything about any of the top secret documents in my office, in my garage, and at numerous places in my house. Well, then who did and who spread them around your house? If you didn't do it, who did it? Jill? All right. Who else had access? Hunter had access to everything from the Ben, Pi- ben excuse me, Penn Biden office. That's a tongue twister. Mm. To the garage. We know because we've seen the picture of him in the vet. And he had access to the house. In fact, the rent that he was paying for the house was the exact amount of the rebate he got from the Chinese energy company. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, no, it's, you know, you you put all of this together and it's like, I'm sorry. How did he ever get elected for any office? Well, the thing is, when we now know, I mean, the the, the seriousness is, is uh, the fact that everybody knows it. It went up a notch over the weekend. Mm. And and number one, it went up uh, because already Corrine Jean-Pierre is being accused of lying 
of peddling misinformation by saying the president's just you know going out to the beach house, mm-hmm. knowing at that time that the uh, that the uh, in all likelihood the uh, the other house was being searched by federal authorities yeah. at the time that she was talking about. Right, it. that's the accusation coming. I know Breitbart had that. Uh, be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, you know, to that. The other problem is with the continuation of the president saying, you know, I had no idea they were there. I had no idea. Well, then who did? Somebody had to know that they were there. They moved them around. They were found in numerous places. Who was moving these things around when they are something that you can clearly, if they are still in their folders, you can clearly see the classified labels on them. So if you didn't, who did? Well, there's only a couple of people in there. Jill, Hunter, any other family members, any of the brothers over frequently? That doesn't help at all. And so now you've got Republicans coming out and calling for every single uh, every single place where Joe has been on vacation. They should be checking for secret documents. Yep. You don't know. He claims... He doesn't know or have any idea and understand that we are told that Joe has no cognitive problems whatsoever, that his medical history is perfect, that if he says he doesn't know anything about them being there, then he doesn't. If he doesn't, who put them there? Who divided them? Who separated the documents? If he's not aware of it, somebody else is, and somebody else did it. And that's where we are right now. And I don't know how, you know, I don't know how you get out of this. I really don't. No. You know, and when you think about it, it was actually 11 days ago that Corrine Jean-Pierre said this the the search is clearly complete they completed uh the uh, uh the search the search is complete uh he is confident in this process you should assume that it's been completed yes after the search concluded last night that search was completed last night the and the fact that we now know that some of the the document we don't know again uh one of the other uh, uh president spokesperson ian sam said when when asked about the number of documents, he wouldn't say. Hmm. And that was one of the talking points just a week ago. Well, Trump had so many more documents. Then again, when you started finding them in numerous places, that sort of blew that argument out of the water to begin with. And now they're not even trying to use that argument. Yeah, but, I don't know what argument they, they use other than just not talking at all. Uh, but the uh, where, where you have the – in fact, let me play that audio cut from Ian Sams here. I have that. Right. And this was from MSNBC, by the way, hmm. actually asking tough questions. And can you give us a sense of how many classified documents we are now talking about total across all three locations? Sure, it's a good question. And, and actually, the answer to it is a little bit complicated because of this point that I'm making about the integrity of an ongoing Justice Department investigation. You can end it there. Sure, I'll answer it. Can you answer it? Sure. Yeah. And he doesn't. He, yeah. I can't answer it because of the integrity in the investigation. Nobody was talking about that when all the Democrats out just last week saying, well, there was 300 documents. There's only been five or six. Nobody was talking about that being, no. you know, had to be kept 
under the covers uh, uh, somewhere. But the biggest problem is the fact that they found apparently documents. They found classified documents that he must have taken when he was a senator. And that really got a few Republican senators, including Ted Cruz, saying, I've never, ever been able to look at a classified document as a senator unless I was inside, what do they call the skiff rooms, they call them? The, right. The secret rooms? Right. Or the, not the secret rooms, but the places you go in to look at classified documents, mm-hmm. and they don't leave that room with you. Right. So how did he get them as senator? That's a big problem, and everybody knows it. Well, and That it, raised the level of intensity of this big time. And it makes you wonder how much more will be found. And then the CBS story saying that they may not be done yet, that they want to look in other places. And the other thing is you have to ask the question. His lawyers went through the house. Think about this. They found the first documents in early November. Mm. They found more of the documents in the house in on December 20th. Mm-hmm. They were searching all the way through uh, not this past weekend, the weekend before, and said everything is done. Yeah, when they had found them in the his office at the Penn Biden Center, the garage, and a few different places in his house, but it was completely done. And all of a sudden, you have the FBI going back in, where hey, the lawyers have already done all the searching in the home for it, and they find more, including when he was a senator. Which makes you wonder, what sent, the, what sent the DOJ in that direction? I have to believe, uh, to some extent, at least in part, it's the idea of, wait a minute, we haven't officially done our own search. Yeah. We can't get through to this whole thing and get to the end and have somebody ask, did the DOJ ever do their own search. I, I, and we can't get through that and say no. I think a possibility is the uh, the federal attorney uh, from Chicago, mm-hmm. Lausch, mm-hmm. who's been on this since, what, November, right? Early November, he was put on to investigate it. And by January 5th, he said there should be a special counsel here. And the scuttlebutt is he was very, very concerned about the process of the Justice Department here. Now, he ordered it because the special counsel hasn't started working yet. He doesn't mm-hmm. start working until the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Did he see that buffer over the next week and say, we have to go in? We've got to go in and do it now. Lausch was still doing his investigation before the special counsel takes over. We need to go in. We cannot accept the fact that his lawyers did the searching for these top secret documents. We can't do that as a Department of Justice. We can't let... The, 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 the suspect's lawyer, the person who is the person of interest or suspect in mishandling classified information, run this search for us once we know they've been found in multiple situations. I wonder if that's what's happened here. And we cannot wait till the end of January before the special counsel takes over. We need to do it now. Well, because and then I wonder what the if that's the case, what were the expectations going in? Look, we're just going to do this so that we can check off this one box here that, yes, we've done our own search. And then they find six more items. Well, at that point, 
you have no choice but to search everything else. Everything else, including the beach house, and I'm guessing the office at the University of Pennsylvania, which still hasn't been cleared uh, as of last week, according to the Washington Post. Wow. 86690 red eye. Uh, tread in tornadoes over the last two decades. Historically, we tend to see higher tornado counts and sometimes higher tornado related fatalities during La Nina years. As USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey further explains, during those years, so winter times into the spring months, we do tend to see a very active storm track across the Mid South and the Lower Midwest, oftentimes leading to higher number of tornadoes and unfortunately higher number of tornado related fatalities. So the fact that we had just a slightly above average number of tornadoes and below average fatalities in 2022. Partly good fortune, partly good science in terms of warnings, getting those warnings out so folks know that severe storms are coming. Rippy notes in 2021 that a devastating tornado outbreak in December in Kentucky and other areas of the southeast resulted in 89 fatalities, bringing the total tornado-related fatality count for that year to over 100. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture culture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Hey, it's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Great going down the timeline about what exactly happened coming up following the bottom of the hour. Really interesting stuff that uh, was uh, that uh, Andrew McCarthy wrote mm. uh, over the weekend. I mean, it's really good stuff. It goes through the timeline of the concern, and it goes. It hits the important points. And remember, he's a former uh, federal prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And I believe very fair. I mean, he'll go after Trump legally. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he goes... He goes through all the legal points about the problems that uh, Biden has here. Let's quickly go to Jim in San Antonio, Texas. Jim, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, thank you. Enjoying your uh, topic. Thanks. Hey, I, mine is either a question or a suggestion is why doesn't Speaker McCarthy appoint a House special counsel? Do, does he really trust the DOJ special counsel to be fair and objective? I mean, with Merrick Garland running the place. And, yeah. you know, Joe Biden's best buddy, I, I does really, the whole thing is corrupt. Why doesn't the new Republican House appoint their own special counsel? Well, they, they're, they're going to investigate it, but they don't appoint special counsels. Only the Department of Justice does. But there's going to be, an, they're, they, right. they're investigating everything from Biden, including this. Yeah, they're going they're They'll be investigating everything. And and it's it's quite possible, gotcha. Jim, that we won't need any work from the special counsel, regardless of who is appointed by who, because Biden will just spill it out into the open because that's what Biden has been doing so far. I, I mean, it's you just if if you want to learn the truth, just wait. <laughs> you know? Well, well, so, and well look, thanks, you, Jim. As we said earlier, when you take that along with, for example, the laptop, yeah. you know, you, you think about it. The the Bidens present their own evidence. No, you can, you, you can connect so many of the dots because of the things that Bidens the the Bidens have left around. Well, I know. Seriously, it's like you know, hey, hey pops. Uh, don't worry, uh, the laptop is secure. 
Well, well, where is the laptop? <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure, but wherever it is, it's secure. Well, what if you just like, seriously, son, where is it? it okay. I can't remember where I dropped it off, but somebody's going to fix it. Wherever that is, I'm sure they'll call me when it's ready. I'm sure they will not call the New York Post. I mean, seriously. If you were to put this would be this would be a comedy if you were to write this. Because there's no way to take the bungling and botching of this president and his family seriously, except it is. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS... Five hours a night. And still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So just part of the article uh, written by Andrew McCarthy in National Review uh, about, you know, starting with uh, what happened this weekend mm. uh, you know, or on Friday when they, they actually went in uh, for more documents to try to starve off this chain of political disasters Biden has decided to pose as a dedicated public servant who cooperates unfailingly with law enforcement because he has nothing to hide. Don't fall for it. Team Biden has been playing games for two months. And clearly the president not only has things to hide, he has been hiding some of them for over 15 years. A portion of the classified documents seized Friday traced to Biden's time in the Senate where he served from 1973 to 2009, even though senators are only permitted to review classified documents in secure facilities at the Capitol or at intelligence agencies and not take them home. Hmm. A guy who has nothing to hide does not retain high-priced lawyers to pack up his private office, as Biden did with his Washington think tank digs, where the first batch of highly classified documents were found on November 2nd. Having lawyers pack up is the kind of thing you do when you're a Democratic president who raked in millions of dollars from operatives of foreign governments and when Republicans are about to take control of the House and use its subpoena power to investigate. Ooh. Ooh. The president did not consent to an FBI search of his home, because he is unconcerned. He consented to it because he knew law enforcement had more than sufficient evidence to compel a search of his home. From his standpoint, with his 2024 election hopes now teetering, it was better to pose as a cooperative volunteer than be forced to open his door to federal agents with a judicial warrant. On this point, the scandal is... Why did the Justice Department wait so long? 
And why, in the interim, did both the Department of Justice and the Biden White House allow Biden's private lawyers, who did not have security clearances, conduct what turned out to have been incompetent searches that both, A, exposed them to secret intelligence that they were not authorized to possess, and B, failed to locate the secret intelligence they said they were looking for. And recall that the Biden spokesperson, Karine Jean-Pierre, assured us nearly 10 days ago that Biden's lawyers had completed the search for classified documents, only to have still more documents to be discovered, to be, to be discovered hours later. Hmm. Remember the timeline here. The first batch of classified documents was found illegally stored in Biden's office on November 2nd, over two and a half months before the FBI finally conducted Friday's search. Contrary to Biden's claim of self-reporting, he did not. This is the interesting timeline here. What did he exactly do to begin with? Uh, Contrary to Biden's claim of self-reporting, he did not report that discovery, evidence of a serious crime, to law enforcement. Rather, his private lawyers reported it to the Biden White House, which then notified not the Justice Department, but the National Archives. It appears Biden was hoping the National Archives would just return the documents to the files and no one would be the wiser. We said that possibility last week. Mm -hmm. We talked about that last week. The discovery, however, came to the attention of the National Archives Inspector General, the watchdog who uh, reports agency wrongdoing to Congress. It was the IG's office that on November 4th notified the Biden Justice Department. Mm. Ooh. And they go, at that point, the DOG, DOJ had to know that Biden had illegally maintained the documents in at least two unauthorized locations. He removed them at the end of the Obama administration in January of 2017, but the Biden Penn Center did not open until February of 2018, so the documents had to be kept someplace else in the meantime. Hey, I know a good place to keep them. Garage. There's a Corvette in there. Yet the Department of Justice took no immediate action. Biden apologists say this passivity was consistent with the DOJ's practice of avoiding actions that could unduly influence elections. The midterms were November 8th. Hmm. But that DOG, DOJ practice is not a legal rule. And it would not in any event have presented the Department of Justice from quietly making a search warrant or having the FBI discreetly conduct a consensual search. Importantly, moreover, the DOJ's practice is not a restriction on the White House. Nothing prevented Biden from telling the public what had happened. After the midterms, Biden's lawyers and the DOJ exhibited mind-boggling recklessness in their next steps. The Justice Department reportedly declined to have the FBI conduct searches of Biden's private locations, knowing these searches would be undertaken by Biden's private lawyers who lack security clearances. On December 20th, the Biden aides discovered more classified intelligence in the garage of the president's Wilmington residence. This time they had no choice to notify prosecutors since an investigation had been open. Yet the Justice Department merely sent agents 
to retrieve the documents, not conduct any search. That was a month ago. Even though evidence of criminal misconduct was mounting and the Biden's Department of Justice had a blatant conflict of interest in investigating the president, Attorney General Garland dragged his feet about appointing a special counsel. That didn't happen until CBS burst the dam with its January 9th report that documents had been found in Biden's office on November 2nd. Even then, the Biden administration tried to keep a lid on the discovery of the garage documents. Yet the press soon reported that, too, as well as a discovery on January 12th of still more classified intelligence at Biden's Wilmington home in his private library. Since early November, then the Justice Department has had probable cause to search Biden's private residences as well as other private locations used for storage after the end of the Obama administration. As I said last week, Garland could be forgiven for not immediately seeking search warrants. That would have been a drastic step, but that doesn't mean the DOG lacked legal grounds for a search warrant. Even when a prosecutor has abundant evidence to support the issuance of a judicial warrant, there is always the option to ask the subject to consent to the search, which spares the DOJ the burdens of applying for a warrant and the subject, the stigma of the court's probable cause finding. Ergo, many weeks ago, the Justice Department should have told the president's lawyers that either Biden should consent to have the FBI search and DOJ seek and obtain judicial warrants to compel such searches. There is no excuse for the Justice Department's failure to act until now. If all this ends up being true, and this is the exact timeline, you're going to have Republicans screaming for the removal of Merrick Garland. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you you add to it um, the Washington Post story, which said the same thing um, to a certain extent last week. And that is, it was pretty much clear that the DOJ and the Biden camp had this unset agreement that they wouldn't say anything about this yep. Yep. until it was discovered. And as he writes here, because the administration saying, oh, no, uh, you know, we're the ones who told the FBI to search. Mm-hmm. He says, as does the Wall Street Journal, Biden did not consent to Friday's FBI search because, as he claims, he has been cooperative from the start. He consented to a long overdue search because he knew that if he did not, the newly appointed special counsel would get a search warrant. Yep. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. And you don't want them executing a warrant. So, how much more are they going to find? I mean, it just seems like an endless flow. You know, the interesting thing here is, you know, we had talked about this last week for what we knew, and Fox had a story on it. Hillary Clinton went far beyond Biden and Trump in mishandling classified documents, a former Department of Justice official saying. And we had said this last week from what we had known that, you know, she actually put a server in her house. Right. Her whole, you know what the intent was. The intent right. was to, I want to bypass the Freedom of Information Act, which in itself is against the law. And because she did it and because there were top secrets that the FBI believes foreign actors actually got into and hacked it and saw it that the FBI believed right. that's were the violations of the uh, of the Espionage Act. And so clearly what she did last week, we said in all likelihood could be, you know, much more problematic or much more 
uh, uh, you know, went much farther than either Biden or Trump. Hmm. Now that we know that there's documents that he has had since he was in the Senate, that changes everything. Because as we have said, if McCarthy said it, I mean, this is the first thing. Ted Cruz tweeting about it yesterday. You can't, as a senator, you can't remove those things. Well, there was question, think about it. Up until now, there was question about him having documents as a vice former president. vice president. Right. And those were valid questions. But now, as a as a former senator, he apparently removed those documents while he was in the Senate? Wow. There's because no, that would that because again when you look at the timeline here and what was what information was given out and what, what information wasn't you know by by the time CBS did their story uh, January 9th and they called the the White House on the sixth well the the documents at the house were already found but they didn't tell them that they didn't tell CBS that. They only told them about the university documents. So why wouldn't they? Well, they thought they could get away with it, right? I mean, ultimately, that's why you don't tell. You think you're going to get away with it. And there were more items. We don't know how many documents found when the DOJ did their own search. But we were told in recent days the search was over. And... Which leads you to believe there is, and they said it at at some point, no more documents. They've searched everything, no more documents. Which, again, why would you be lying? Well, the reason you would lie is because you're covering up something big. And my question would be, is that the, the fact that these documents date back to the Senate? I think that's one of the biggest problems because you can make the case that, you know, the vice president dealing with the president, you know, they could be in his office or the president's office and they're discussing it and the classified information is there and he has it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he takes it with him or it's in the bunches of stuff he has in his vice president's office. And when, you know, he goes back, it, it gets it gets shipped. You can make that argument. You cannot make that argument with being in the Senate. No, not at all. Because you can't you don't have top secret documents in your Senate office. Right. You can only view them in the place and you can't take them out with you. Right. You can only view, you can't take a cell phone in. You can't take pictures of it. You can't do anything. You walk in, you look at the document, you walk out. So he can't make that excuse. That raised the level of the seriousness of all of this big time. How did he get those documents out? You'd have to smuggle them. You would have to. It's the only way. You'd have to illegally smuggle them out of the office. Yep. That's a whole different ball game than being the president or vice president and accidentally taking something. Yeah, with there's you. nothing inadvertent about that. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Progressive Commercial Insurance. I read that uh, that in these items there were six items and and. First, people thought, okay, that means six classified documents. Nobody's identified what the items are, whether the items were a box or a folder or right. uh, whatever, and therefore nobody's talking about how many documents might have been in there. But they said documents and notes. Mm. Notes of what? 
Is somebody taking notes of those top secret documents? These are notes written. You, you know, when you go into the room, you're not supposed to take notes right. either. Right. Was somebody taking notes at the Biden house of those classified documents? We don't know any of this. Yeah. I mean, which... we, I mean we know that notes were found. We don't know if they were right. written there or written where right. or what they were notes of. And if you're writing notes, if you're taking notes with the documents off campus. Oh, that's your chief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I don't know how to scale this. Yeah. I really don't know how to scale this because we don't know what's coming. You have to believe now that the beach house is next, right? Yeah, well, uh, Ian Sams, the president's spokesperson, was asked about that, had no comment. Right. On the beach house. Wow. Wow. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.